Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? We are back once again with another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. Today, I've got on my friend and a very special guest. This is Ollie OJ Matthews. He is an author and he is also a health optimization coach. So if you've got fitness questions, nutrition questions, this is your man right here. How's it going, Ollie? I'm good. I'm good. Yourself? I am very well. Thanks, man. I'm always good. You know me. Yep. That's the best way to be. I say that. I'm actually having some some severe back problems right now. But apart from that, I'm fine. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you shouldn't, shouldn't be too swole. Uh, it's a problem, man. It's a problem. You have to lift on some machines for for a week or two. I know. Oh gosh, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know what happened. But anyway, man. So let's talk to the people. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What's your story? How did you get started in fitness and doing what you do? Well, it's uh, it's kind of two branches, and then they sort of met together. When I was younger, my dad was, oh, my mom and dad split up when I was about four or five years old, and ended up. He moved a little further away because he had to provide for his family. That was where he was getting a job in caravan sales and then moved to sales management. And we saw him at the weekends and we saw him at school holidays. And then he moved a little further away to get into holiday park management. Mm. And it was a stressful job. And I was just growing up being that young kid and just playing on the computer all the time. So I'd go there and I'd just end up eating a little bit, as you do when, when your nan's around and you've got the comfort food around. And when I was around my dad's, it would be a lot of food. When we saw him on the school holidays, it was obvious there was some sort of stress there, but it wasn't to the level that people thought it would be a massive impact because it wasn't as open as it is now. And when I was 15, he went into hospital with a migraine, uh, had a stroke and passed away. And from there, not straight away, but I kind of turned to, well, at that time, I turned massively into music and listening to rap, listening to hip hop, but also into food as well. Mm. And uh, I put on a lot of weight. Uh, at that time, I was around nearly 270 pounds when it came to by the time I was 19, 20 and had to do something about it. Uh, I'd gone through music college, started producing hip hop, rapping and everything. And that was where a little bit of the connection uh, where we connected further mm -hmm. down the line. And uh, I... Knew I had to do something about it. I went to walk to the end of my, or run to the end of my driveway and couldn't get there. So okay. I started, I hit a gym and I went in the gym and was scared of actually going into the weight section. Uh, stuck on the treadmill, cross trainer, got a, a guy who's a good friend now. And he was a, a trainer at, at the gym there. And now he asked me for advice, which is kind of cool and be able to repay that favor. And I ended up losing nearly a hundred pounds and made the decision to go on the bodybuilding stage about 18 months, two years later, which was when I was 20, 22, 23. So that was where it kind of became addictive. And this 
pushing forward because I couldn't control the things that happened in my life when I was younger, where I lost control of my dad, first off moving away and then my dad dying. And then mm. there was things where I was getting bullied for my love of hip hop and be, being the white guy that is listening to music that is predominantly from black uh, people. So it, it kind of just, I was bullied for that. And you think, well, why is people bullying me? Then they were bullying me for being fat. I got bullied after my dad died and you think, okay, and uh, even to the point where in October, my dad died in July of 2001. In October, the teacher said, you're never going to be nothing. And those words rang true. And I was pushing through and got control of my food. And that kind of went from one extreme to the other, where I ended up developing exercise bulimia, where I would just go, if I fell off the diet, I would go and I would just go on the treadmill for two, three hours and hit the gym two, three, four times a day, just okay. ridiculously obsessed with it and just push myself. And it wasn't healthy. But yeah. I also had a lot of issues psychologically when it came to that because of wondering what people thought of me. And mm. uh, that was, I competed seven times. I stopped competing in 2012 because I knew I had, and I was a personal trainer at the time. I was a, it's kind of like where everything got merged in. And when I was growing up, my sister became a very good runner. Mm -hmm. She had, uh, after my dad died again, it was what she put her time into. Uh, my uncle is uh, a very good running coach around here and well-known for organizing a lot of the, athletics clubs and, and things and I kind of went the other direction I couldn't help them with my nutrition knowledge even though I knew I could but they wouldn't ask for it and I, I pushed forward and realized that there was a love of working with athletes and okay. I started working with endurance athletes I noticed there was a lot of eating disorders in endurance athletes as well where they're running to lose weight rather than or running so they can eat more rather than running for performance and I've got a name for myself where I worked with a guy in the Tour de France. I worked with uh, consulted with an Olympic cyclist and got to pro athletes and Ultraman world champion. And it was great. But then I realized that, and this is quite a long story here, and I'm, I apologize for it being so long. I just want to no, make it's, sure that it's, it's going completely through. fine. We got to the point where I was getting them from A to B, and that was as fast as possible, not necessarily as healthy as possible. Mm. And that really hit me a bit because. I was seeing some guys where when we look at the testosterone levels of a Tour de France rider, they really deplete over three weeks. And I want to make sure people are healthy. I ended up working with a guy who's an entrepreneur called Ron. And this is quite a while back now. But it made me realize that these guys that are so stressed, business guys, entrepreneurs, busy people, are stressed out in the main part because they're pushing towards this hustle. And they don't get a lot of the time for themselves. And I could see my dad in these guys. Mm. and a lot of the people that are going to stress themselves out to the point where they could actually shorten their life and it hit me in my heart that I'm working with my dad here yeah and it made me realize that working on nutrition working on training about 60 percent 70 percent of what I do is stress management and putting things into perspective it made me realize that if I can help even one child one son one daughter not lose their dad or their mum, mm. then that's just powerful and it's better than any athlete winning a gold medal or winning a race gotcha but that's a powerful story, man. It's it's always interesting to peel back a couple layers, rewind time, and yeah. find out what it is at the core that really motivates, really driven and entrepreneurial people. Because oftentimes you'll find that there's an incident in their life or a story which maybe the public or the average person doesn't really know, but that's exactly. really their that's really their their core driver. So it was really interesting to to know that because I know you. I've known you for a couple of years. I know you're very. I know you're very driven. You're always fired up, you're always full of energy. And that was my first time hearing the, I want to call it the origin story, like you're a superhero. Yeah. 
And it's, it's really interesting to hear that. And so that drive, obviously having that bereavement with your father and then seeing that in other people and thinking, you know what, there's something of value that I can offer these other people to avoid a negative situation either for them or for somebody close to them. And I think that's, I think it's very noble. I think it's very inspiring as well. Cause I think, you know, all of us, we've all got different talents, different abilities, different knowledge and skill sets. And I often think, you know, how wonderful would it be if everybody used that for the betterment of everyone else, right? So you want to maximize, you want to maximize yeah. yourself. That, that's why, that's why I also love the gym. I love training because it's like, this is self improvement. I want to offer the world. Let me create the best version of myself, mentally, physically, spiritually, everything. And then I have more to offer everybody else. And by other people watching me doing what I'm doing, whether indirectly or directly, they might go, oh, cool. Like, okay, he's doing that. So I can also do that. Oh, there's another level I can reach in this thing. And I'm always looking at people who are above me in every level or in different areas. And I'm like, oh, okay, look, I'm seeing what he's doing. And there's people who inspire me that probably don't even know it. You know what I mean? Like, they oh, don't yeah. Even know. Yeah, they're, they're probably not even aware I exist, but I'm watching them and I'm kind of like, oh, okay, like I can, I can do that. There's another level. There's always another level. And yeah, I think that's what keeps people motivated and positive and actually helps to counteract the stress or the mental health problems people have or whatever, you know, having a, having something to run away from and having a goal to run towards all the time. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. It, it, it's a massive thing. And, and also when, when I went into the gym, it started off to lose weight and a lot of people think that when you start going to the gym and you start building muscle, you're going to get confidence. Mm. But it was just a shell and it was there. It was kind of just an outer shell, but it actually made me a lot less confident because I was worried even more what people would judge, uh, judge me for. Okay. And I had to dive in with, with the extra mental work, a lot of mental work. And that was when I started seeing that people looked to me and mm could actually take a little more inspiration and influence. Yes, there's this guy that's lost 100 pounds, that's stopped being able to, or stopped having really low energy and looks like he's confident. But mm. when I started talking about having anxiety attacks, being off work with depression and all these different things, people actually realized that, look, this is a real guy. Yeah. And th this is a guy that I can actually resonate with and took like, more than when I was ridiculously shredded, ready to go on a bodybuilding stage, people actually understood me more. Yeah, sure. Well, it's more it's more human and normal and within the realms of what people consider achievable, right? Like Definitely. A, a bodybuilder who's competition ready, that's not what people really aspire to unless you're 0.1% of the population who wants to do that. Most people don't really aspire to that. They aspire to someone who's like, okay, there's someone who's living a normal life, has got a family, responsibilities, whatever it might be, but they're still managing to keep themselves in great shape, be a good role model, stay positive, inspire other people, all that. I personally think that that's in some ways more inspiring than someone who, say, makes their entire living off of being in the gym or having a certain physique because you know that's a big chunk of their life, right? They might have six hours a day to dedicate to that, 10 hours a day, 12 hours yeah. a day to dedicate to that one thing. Most people have, okay, you know, an hour, maybe, maybe 45 minutes in some cases. You can be inspired by anybody, but I think you can relate a lot more to someone who's doing it, doing something you want to do, but has some of the same challenges and their reality resembles yours a little bit more. Yeah. And when we look at what it takes to get into that shape and it's very distorted and that's where social media comes into it as well. It seems to distort things even more.
you're in that shape for two, three weeks. Yeah, you, you might be in better than average shape the rest of the time, but you're in that shape, photo shoot ready, stage ready for two weeks, three weeks, and you really pick a date to peak from. Yeah. And you take loads of photos, and I'd put pressure on myself mm. by only having those photos that were from bodybuilding shows, that were from close to the actual show, so people think you look like that all year round. Yeah, And it, it would essentially set me back a little bit, and it wasn't until just really just taking the foot off the gas when it came to competing in bodybuilding shows that I realized that there's a lot more to life than that. And when yeah. we talk health, health, and I talk about it in my book that we've got five M's. It comes through madness, money, movement, marriage, and mindset. Okay. And if you have a balance of these, and one of my goals that I'm going to be doing on my 47th birthday is I'm going to be climbing Mount Everest. I okay. say 47, that's when my dad died, hence that that time. My birthday is the 21st of May. The climbing season is in May. There's okay. no reason I can't do that, provided I work back and I build forward towards it mm. with the right training, with the right mindset. Now, when it comes to the five M's, you get balance in these. Rather than just what you look like, you get enough madness, so fun in your life. Okay. People forget about having fun. Yeah, I had to get words that began with M, but it's, it's cool to have more in there. But madness, yeah. if you can have fun, you can build the right actual attitude to downtime as well as on time, you're mm. going to be healthier. We do need money in our lives in order to be able to thrive and prosper, but not necessarily as much as we think. Sure. Because money can buy material things, but we do need a little bit of money to be healthy. Sure. And, and there's enough money for every person if we, if we really wanted to. We're in a world where there's an abundance of money actually around mm -hmm. if everyone was to use it right. And then we've got movement, which I was going to put movement and macros, but it just got a little bit too many M's there. But mm -hmm. movement and macros kind of go into one. And movement doesn't necessarily have to be in the gym with exercise. There's plenty of different forms of moving about, walking, taking the dog out, just literally going around town and getting your steps in, those sorts of things. Yes, we know weight training and exercise is going to really help with uh, muscle building and keeping you healthy and also with your joint health mm -hmm. uh, and getting the right food in. And marriage is the big one. And this is what I really had to check with myself. And when I say marriage, I mean relationships. Yeah. Not marriage as in two people becoming one. Marriage as in what you see in the mirror, your relationship with yourself, mm -hmm. your relationship with those around you, uh, with family, with friends, even with your pets, all these different things. Because there's studies that have shown that just with physical touch, people can actually de-stress a lot more sure and there's a reason that some of our most sensitive parts are between our shoulder blades on our back when humans actually touch and rub each other so tickle and backs and stuff like that mm. it can de-stress you but it also de-stresses the person doing it there's a reason that we can't always get to those places which uh de-stresses us so oh, that's interesting marriage yeah um yeah. it's a good book actually uh dr rangan chatterjee uh he's got the stress solution and he, he goes on, on, on about that. And it's such a good book. He's probably actually able to get him on the podcast, actually. Okay. Uh, he's quite accessible. Uh, and then um, we've got mindset. And that's the big thing. Stress is all a matter of perspective, I find. And I, I think you're, you're a big person when it comes to speaking your words and speaking your mind in a positive way and, and getting that out there. And there's a lot of situations people stress out for the sake of stressing out which actually makes them more stressed. I agree uh, with you on that. If we can get a perspective in something, that person that cut you up at the roundabout, he didn't do it on purpose. He probably didn't even see you there, hence why he'd done it. Mm. And 
you don't mean to let it ruin your day because it certainly isn't ruining the net. True. The, those sorts of things with road rage and things. All those five M's. I'm a believer you can move move mountains. I've got a picture of Everest base camp there. I've got a picture of Mount Everest there. And it's just having these kind of visions that of what I want to be doing. Yeah. But health, essentially, uh, I framed it in the book as well, that it's similar to climbing Everest. But the problem okay. with a lot of people is people want to get healthy without taking breaks and without getting cold. Okay. Without oxygen. Uh, and when you go to Everest, if you think about health, you get to the airport, you get to the start of the trek before you get to base camp, and it takes eight days to get to base camp. Now, you get to base camp, you're acclimatizing on the way, and uh, it takes 12 days to go back. So, okay. oh, no, it takes 12 days to get there. Sorry, but the wrong way around. 12 days to get there, eight days to go back. Okay. So, if you get to the, the, the base camp level and you get to the foundations, then you know it's actually going to be quicker to go back than it is to get there. So, you've done a little bit of hard work. But to get to the top of that mountain, you have to go up to camp one, acclimatize, mm-hmm. come back down, go up to camp two, acclimatize, back down, camp three, you acclimatize and some people come back down and then go up. But a lot of people go to camp four, the death zone in the summer, and then they come back down again. But you have to acclimatize at different points. Sure. And there's a lot of pressure we put on ourselves at doing everything at once. Okay. And it's just, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, man. That's interesting, man. I mean... I think mindset is mindset is the one out of those that always stands out to me. That's the one that yeah. I think I, I put most focus on because I think that's where everything begins. I think everything begins in your mind. Like everything else, you need the mindset to achieve those. Yeah. So before, I mean, literally just in the way the body functions, you know, everything, it starts with your brain, right? So if- oh, exactly. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna make movement towards a goal, even if something is simple, okay, you don't go to the gym right now, you want to start exercising. You don't eat well right now, you want to clean up your diet, you want to eat better, you want to change up your nutrition. It starts in your brain. You need to make that decision. You need to solidify your resolve. Think about why you're doing it. Think about how you're gonna stay motivated. Think about what you're driving towards, what you're trying to avoid. And then once you've got it all in your brain then it's like, okay, like everything else, the, the body, the body can now follow. Yeah. And I think there's, there's two things that need to be done mm. when it goes to getting a goal. And I'm going to use health specifically and my own goals that I had with health to allow people to see what it was I was aiming for, because people have this goal of weight loss, which is essentially fat loss, but sure. that's not what anyone wants. That's a route to get them where they want. It might mm-hmm. be that they want to get more confidence because every time they work in an office and they have to give presentations and they get sweaty armpits because uh, and they, they just don't feel comfortable standing in front of the stage. Yeah. And or their relationships have gone down because there's no intimacy because they don't have the confidence in their own body every time they walk past the mirror. Mm. And there's no sex in the marriage or in the relationships. They, they literally they have low confidence. So losing weight is going to help them get that. And then there's the health issues, the type 2 diabetes that can be reversed when they actually get a little bit healthier. But yeah. with mine, it was essentially that when I lost my virginity, I didn't take my T-shirt off. Until I was like four or five years later, I didn't take my T-shirt off when having sex. Okay. It was as, as, as bad as that. I was No girlfriend saw me without my top on yeah. on purpose until I was probably – I was in a relationship 
for about seven or eight months mm-hmm. and I was like 21, 22. And I mean, one of the things I would do is I would wear such, yes, being into hip hop, I was wearing such baggy clothes at the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And that was also another way of hiding it. Yeah. Uh, having such baggy t-shirts and like sleeves that come down to like here and stuff like that. It, it was crazy. I had, had the fashions even changed there, but I would hide it. And I realized that I needed to do something about it to help me with my confidence. Yeah. And knowing why you, you're going to do something, why you want to do something, then that's powerful if you realize what is going to come out of it. What is yeah. your, going to lo- your life going to look like in 12 months when you actually implement something? Absolutely, man. And that, it, goes for, it goes for everything. One thing I love the most about the gym, training, nutrition, bodybuilding, strength training in general, what I love is that I think it's so applicable to every facet of life. I think it's so, uh, you know, I think it's rare to find someone who's built an impressive physique or to find someone who, say, was overweight and then lost a lot of weight or was really skinny and then gained a good amount of muscle. It's hard to find someone who did that and didn't also become mentally stronger in the process because they do go hand in hand. And if you can apply that same thing, setting a goal, being consistent, hard work, day in day out if you can apply that to going to the gym to build your physique you can apply that to your career you can apply that to a hobby that you want to improve on you can apply it to learning a new skill whether that's skiing whether that's learning a language it's it's the same process just discipline it's literally it's the same process yeah discipline consistency right if you just go to the gym once or you go once every week you're going to struggle to make progress right if you go 3 times a week for 3 years you might you'll bet you might not even notice the progress as it's happening, but as long as you you know as long as your diet's not ridiculous, yeah. then you're gonna you know you're gonna see the progress. And I just think that's you can take that same model and it's like okay, oh, just apply it to anything. Like a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what, I should be able to speak a foreign language. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn French. What made me set it in my brain was like, you know, I'm gonna treat it like I treat the gym. And uh-huh. yeah, so in fact, I even did it at the same time. So before I'd go to the gym in the morning, I would do my one hour French lesson. Oh, so wow. I, so I, I kind of connected them in my schedule. So it was like, okay, I'm going to do an hour French every day and I will do it. And then I will go to the gym. So it just became part of my daily process. And then lo and behold, like three, four months later, I was meeting French people and I was able to have good, decent conversation, not, you know, getting obviously not <laughs> full blown, <Yeah>. full blown <laughs> fluency talking about something super deep. Right. But I could hold a conversation for a good five minutes completely in French with a French speaker. And that was just from the same, the same process. It was just the same mental state. And I think, you know, you, you just like you build strength with reps in the gym, you build strength with repetition in anything. You keep doing it. This podcast I'm doing right now, this is my fifth or sixth podcast I'm recording. And already each one, I'm feeling more comfortable. I'm, oh yeah, you do. I'm umming and eyeing less each time. Each time I edit one, it's like, okay, I've got less to edit because there's it's less start stoppy. And you just get with it. I'm sure like within a couple of weeks, right? If I'm doing a, one every day or whatever, within a few weeks, it'll just be like, oh, okay, cool. It's just like having a standard conversation. You're not really thinking about it too much. And over time, you just build expertise and all these things. And you can do that with almost any skill. And I think if people understand yeah. that, then they'll realize how much untapped potential they have. I had that a lot with actually showing up on video. Okay. And now I do a Facebook live at least three times a week. Mm-hmm. Some weeks I'll do five. 
but at least three times a week i'll put out content on video on facebook and then i'll look to share it on linkedin instagram and uh, on a blog and things like that but when i started i was scared of having silences it would be saying random things and likes and errs and so every single time mm-hmm. until i realized i could stop and think about what i was again what i was about to say yeah and that sounded a lot more real it sounded more a lot more sound sound more didn't even think about what i was going to say then it sounded <laughs> a lot more human yeah and when i then listen to presenters now people start videos with so i'm gonna do this so i'm gonna do that and i notice it more just like when i've done uh media studies in high school Mm -hmm. and then i noticed on films they were doing wide shots close shots and medium shots just like in music when i listen to different ad libs and then you can hear a little bit of auto-tune here or there you can see what they've layered up on the beats yeah and when you then start doing it you can then actually not pick apart pick apart in a negative way but you pick apart because it's you feel and you can kind of uh, resonate with the creative process and the same thing with health you can see what other people have done you can start to learn from it but i feel it's important to take one day at a time and a lot of people look to go from a to z without going through b c d e f they try and sprint they try and jump especially this time of year We've just had New Year's resolutions. People start falling off. And some people are going to stick with it. And that is great. It is great to see them and to see them push through. And actually, when it gets a little bit hard, they're pushing through. But a lot of people are expecting these fad diets to actually do such good work sustainably. And it doesn't happen like that. They get starving. They're on 1,000, 1,500 calorie deficits. They lose a lot of energy. They get demotivated. They're dehydrated. They get headaches and they fall off. The way I used to work with clients is do exactly the same diet that I'm doing, do exactly the same training. That doesn't work. And it's finding out what is going to work for you as an individual one day at a time. Yeah. And if that is finding perfection to a degree on that day, perfection looks different every single day because one day you might have 10 minutes, one day you might have an hour, one day you might have two hours. Mm. And it's doing the minimum you can to get the maximum output. Now, if someone comes to me, And they say, I've got a lot of alcohol in my diet at the moment. Okay, I want to find out how much, but I also want to know why they're drinking because a lot of people are drinking so much alcohol because it's a sedative and they're trying to sedate what's actually going on in their life. So we need to look at the mindset. Yeah, But I'm not going to cut all that alcohol out at once because that's going to set them up for failure. They'll have a good couple of weeks and then they might go and binge drink. Sure. And a lot of the people that are doing dry January, they're doing, is it Veganuary? vegan annuary uh, there i don't know there's probably an advert Some, something like that. Yeah. About. <laughs> something like that yeah but, they're pushing yeah, they're the, pushing the vegan thing very hard right now yeah but people doing that they're not cutting it out necessarily for health reasons they're cutting out on the first to put it back in on the next first potentially yeah. some people aren't going to do it there are going to be some people that continue a little bit further but you can bet and I love watching Russell Kane. I think he's such a hilarious guy. And he has these canings on, on Facebook. And he's got a caning for people that are doing, cutting things out in January. Okay. It's exactly what it is, is that you didn't want to cut it out in the first place. What happens is a lot of people, just like when you go very strict on diets, just mm-hmm. like I used to, when I'd done a lot of binge eating, because I was so strict during the week. And then Saturday night came and I would just go nuts. Yeah. Probably having 10, 15,000 calories. Yeah, yeah. And We've all done that some at some point. Yeah, and, it, it doesn't work. Di- dieting, no. dieting too hard, it does not work long term. No. Anyone who's tried it can 
attest to that. You know, three, four days. Oh, wow. Look, the scale is going down. Yeah. Sustainability. No, you can't. You can't trick your body. Your body has so many mechanisms to just I don't know if it's uh, what's the hormone? Is it ghrelin? Yeah, when it just ramps up and it's I remember when I was in university, I was going on a cut. This was like the first time I, I did like a what was supposed to be a proper cut. I tried a whole keto diet, which I never do now because it's not very good for me personally. Yeah. Um, and I dropped down to I was normally eating about thirty two hundred calories a day. At the lowest, I dropped down to I was eating about eighteen hundred. Oh. And I was and I was at uni. I was cycling. I was studying. I was still going to the gym, and it was so ridiculously low for me. I was just trying to get through it. You know, my my legs were feeling heavy, and yeah, I you know lost a lot of muscle. And I'm not someone who who generally ever has to deal with binge eating, but after a few weeks, I had one I had one day where it was actually in the evening. Like I, I was all right for the day, and then in the evening, get like, tired. It just hit me. I ate uh, you know golden nuggets. Yep. Golden nuggets, yeah. I ate an entire 750 gram. Uh, I, I I didn't even eat it out of a normal bowl. I took like a mixing bowl and I just dumped, <laughs> I just dumped it in there. I threw it, I put in marshmallows. I put in like my body just wanted carbs, calories. It was it was insane. Like I just ate and my stomach was full and I was still I was still hungry. I was like, you know what? This is insane. I've never I've never experienced this in my life. And that was the point I was, you know, okay, I need to I need to take a more uh, more sane approach. And ever since yeah. then, I, I don't think I've ever dropped my calories below 2,400 ever since then. Exactly. And when we look at, I don't know, a lot of times and a lot of clients in the past have had these sorts of things happen where oh, they've said about it before they start working and then it has happened during it and then it stopped happening because we've dealt with the mindset behind it. But essentially, it was failing minutely. And what we mean by that is that people start diets on Mondays. It seems to be the fresh day to wipe the slate clean and start. Yeah. Now, Wednesday, they might have a social gathering in that evening. And then they go out and it's at Pizza Hut or well, not McDonald's, Five Guys or Nando's, or whatever it is. And let's not discriminate between them. Let's try and get them all in there. It might be a TGI's <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. And they go there and they eat a bit of, let's say, rubbish, yeah. which... Essentially, you can still eat it if it fits your calories to a degree, but you need to be getting the nutrients in your body still. Sure. Now, they go and eat a little bit of rubbish. And then that, that mentality in their head says, oh, I've messed up. I'm going to start again Monday. So Thursday, they're off the diet. Friday, they're off. Saturday, they're off. Sunday, they're off. And Monday, they start again. Before okay. you know it, they've had three days, well, two and three quarter days on point, and then four and a quarter days off. Mm. Now, if we realize that, if you slip up, it's okay. It is okay. There's that 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, you do as much as you can. 20% you can chill. Sure. If you slip up, it's okay. You only have a one meal from being 100% back on track. True. And a lot of people don't seem to get that mentality. And if we did, if, as a whole nation or on the entire planet, if people got that mentality, it would be a much healthier place. Oh, absolutely, man. One thing I do notice, especially with, uh, especially with diets, but even with exercise as well, with some people is a lot of people have like an on off switch right so oh, yeah. it's just on a diet off a diet when they're off they're really off when they're on they're really on and again i think in my sort of late teens early 20s i made that mistake a couple of times and then ever since then i mean for the past 10 years i've stayed within the same eight kilo weight range so for the entire last decade 
my weight has never been okay nine kilos it's never been below 82 kg or above 91 so the heaviest i've been is 91 lowest i've been in 82 that's been the case for about 12 years now and with me personally what's worked well is just rather than having an on off switch well i'm, I'm always on but having like a, a almost like a knob like a volume dial yeah right? so so if it's like okay it's winter I don't really need my six pack right now. I want to get a bit stronger. It's like, okay, cool. Tur turn it up like a, like a notch, tiny yeah. notch, like a couple extra hundred calories a day. And then, you know, when I want to lean down, just turn it down a bit. If I start seeing, oh, I'm getting a bit, I'm getting a bit flat, turn it up a little. Oh, I'm getting a bit fat, turn it down a little. And yeah, it just, it just works well. And you don't have that. I find with me personally, I don't have that sort of mental, I don't have that mental fight of like, okay, I'm on a diet. Okay, I'm off a diet. I'm bulking. That's why I don't really like the ideas of cutting and bulking, right? Oh I'm yeah. Not, like I don't, I don't. I've never, I don't bulk. Like just get up, get up to a hundred and something kg or whatever, and then in the summer I've got to shoot. Yeah, it's just like little incremental bits. And with that, if you have a, yeah, if you have a, like I don't really do the whole cheat. I don't do the cheat meal thing. I don't do the cheat day thing. I I did all that in the past. I tried it all, and yeah, it just leads to it just leads to bad eating habits. Like oh, yeah. you're real, you're strict for six days, and then the, the one day you just eat like a pig, and it's just like that's not healthy. I'd rather you know if I want a little snack each day, I have a little snack each day. I might have two snacks each day, but it never goes it never goes outside of certain boundaries. So I never just go binge crazy, and I never like will starve myself. It just stays in the same stays in the same zone. That keeps me mentally stable, keeps me physically stable, and it works. Yeah, and also. With that mentality, you know that if it's a Thursday and you've got a social gathering, you could actually go out and have a meal. Yeah. And rather than being, I used to be in the mentality, I missed my, my best friend's wedding because I couldn't take my own food with me. Oh, no. It was that bad back in the day. I oh, went no. to the cinema and took chicken and broccoli for a first date and I didn't get a second date, funnily enough. Oh, <laughs> gosh. It's, it's just ridiculous things which I look back now. And yes, if I was dieting for a bodybuilding show, fair enough. Mm. one thing i wasn't getting paid for the bodybuilding show i was paying to do the bodybuilding show as we all do and that's another total other story but if it's your job if you've got a specific goal like that now if i was dieting for a bodybuilding show which to be fair right now i've got no intentions of ever doing sure i'm a little bit bored of hypotrophy training i've got the london marathon i've got a 24-hour snowden challenge in may coming up but i would just not go to the cinema that those 12 16 18 weeks if i'm dieting for a bodybuilding show sure it can be a lot less stressful Last week, uh, a friend from Canada came over and we started filming a health course. And we just went out to a restaurant and I absolutely love nachos. It's just been okay. my thing of hashtag the nacho life and the, the nacho life didn't choose. Or I didn't choose a nacho life and nacho <laughs> life chose me, yeah. that sort of thing. And it's just been one of those things. And, and when I was in New York last year and my mentor at the time, he said something to me which really resonated. And he said that you're not in New York every day. If there's something here which you don't get normally, you don't get those real nice New York pizzas, that Justin Timberlake's got a restaurant called Southern Hospitality, mm -hmm. really nice nachos there. He says they're the best in New York. Go and try them. Now, if I was there four or five years ago, I wouldn't have even thought about it unless yeah. it, it was that one day on a Saturday. Yeah. Now, I was only there Monday till Sunday. And so I had some nachos, I had some pizza, and I had nachos again. But it wasn't that I had them all on the same day. I spread them out, and I enjoyed it because that fitted into that 20% rule. Yeah. And a lot of people just, it's a massive deprivation throughout. And you're going to have more time on mm -hmm. point than you are going to have off point. 
mm-hmm. if you work under a sustainable mentality. And a lot of that will come to, for example, working with some pro MMA fighters. The guy comes to me and I said to him that, and he knows that I put it on social media. I said, look, Jack, like, why are you coming to be five weeks before a fight needing to lose 16K? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and he got the fight last minute. But okay. as he said, that it's, it's about that. And we got there. Was it the healthiest? No. The before and after picture was amazing in five weeks, but yeah. it was not the full story. Uh, when I work with a fighter, I want it to be at least eight weeks or 12 weeks and not 16 kilos to lose. No, no. Uh, and uh, if it's for a specific event, yes, we can crush it for that. But those guys don't stay in that shape all year round. It's no. that on-off switch again. So coming to, uh, let's talk a little bit about your book. So you've written two books now. You've got the yep. One Day Body Upgrade. That was the version for, for men. Is the the women's one, what's that one called? Is it the same title? It's, it's, yeah, they're both the One Day Body Upgrade. Okay. Um, the men's is, was the Busy Man's Blueprint to look good, feel great, reach your full potential, okay. which I then switched to the Busy Persons and then realized I want to make a female version. And now the female one is your blueprint to look good, feel great, and reach your full potential. Gotcha. And that was released a couple of days ago. And I'm kind of a bit random when I do books. I wasn't planning on releasing the other one. It's sitting on my hard drive for 18 months. And then I released it just suddenly one Friday night. I started going into typesetting and then released it on the Monday. And the women's one was a bit more planned, but I wasn't planning on releasing it two days ago. I was going to wait until next week. And then suddenly Amazon okayed it. And my mentor now decided to say, look, we're going to push this today. Can you give the listeners a little bit of an overview what are the what are the main topics i have a chapter on each of those five m's as i mentioned about and essentially five m's and then moving uh moving mountains my everest obsession but the female one goes a little bit more in depth with hormones so Mm -hmm. we go into things like the menopause we go into periods and we go into a little bit of stress management i'm never going to be the most politically correct person you don't need to be the world we live in you don't need to be bro you don't need to exactly this this podcast is uh this podcast is called Real Talk. Exactly. And I wrote in the book that I'm here and I'm writing this in a male's perspective because I feel it needs to be written in a male's perspective. Some of the things aren't going to be politically correct. Some of them are. But if I actually kept up on what is PC nowadays, then I wouldn't have time to write the book. Mm-hmm. And then I go on to say, look, if you want to complain, that is fine because there's so many snowflakes here. But if you want to balance your hormones, feel great, lose some fat in the process and then be able to blow over the latest snowflake, great follow the stuff in the book it's looking through stress it's looking through things that work but taking it it's not changing your body in one day so let's Mm. not get the title wrong with that it's not saying this is a fad diet one day you're going to lose 20 pounds and it's saying that one day at a time you can start to build habits Mm. you can start to build momentum you can start to build consistency and that is what we need to focus on one single day at a time and as i said perfection today may not be perfection tomorrow just because you may be able to burn 1,000 calories from exercise today. Don't get in the habit of 1,000 every day, and that day you can only burn 500, that it's bad. Because every single day and every single person is different. And it's mm-hmm. about just finding out what is going to work with you in this stressful world we live in and how we can actually use stress to thrive. Okay. Uh, yeah. How can we use stress, stress to thrive? That strikes me as interesting. It's putting the perspective on it. Okay. That we do need some sort of stress. Okay. A, a job, for example. My own job, when I used to work in a big insurance company, I hated that job. But if okay. I had to put perspective on it, that yes, I was selling insurance, 
I wasn't doing anyone out of money or calling anyone out of money. I was selling insurance, but it was repetitive. Mm. And okay, it actually losing management roles gave me anxiety. I had two, three months off with anxiety attacks and depression. Putting perspective on that job was I was in insurance and I was selling someone insurance, which they legally needed to actually follow the rules of the road of driving a motor vehicle. They have an accident and they haven't got insurance. What is going to happen? Well, they're going to get points. They're going to get a criminal conviction, potentially, all these different things. But me selling them that insurance that they actually need Mm. is doing them a favor. And I'm helping them out because they're actually able to then get another car. So they're still able to go to work. If they're injured, they're able to get the medical care that they need if it's their own accident and no one else is involved. Mm. Their family are not going to have someone there who's injured or maybe worse Then they would get compensation if it's worse. So many different things that come off. If I could actually put that perspective on, you feel you're actually doing some good. Yeah. So you basically reframe the job to make it yeah. clear in your brain, in the grand scheme of things, what the benefit that you're providing is. Exactly. And then right. if we look at the anxiety side of things. Okay. Uh, there's a chapter in the book called I Felt I Was Having a Heart Attack. It's in the second book rather than the first one, in, in the female book rather than the male one, because uh, I hadn't written it then. But it was a blog post I put on. This needs to go in the book. And it was talking about how I had an anxiety attack. It felt like a heart attack. I was sweating so much. What I would expect a heart attack to feel like. Mm. Uh, heart was just pounding. Couldn't concentrate or anything. At that time, it was last week of October. So it, it was two, just over two months I was off work. At that time, I was at the lowest of lows. It was horrible. But if I'd have put that into perspective, like I did at the end of that time, at the start, where it was time for me to get back into personal training, get back into fitness that I loved and helped uh, actually helping people. Like I did when I got back, I then went on to a phase return. I was telling a client about this earlier that I went back two days and then upped it to three days and then four days. And when I went to get to five, I built up my personal training business that I could bring those hours down. Okay. So it was actually a benefit. And if I'd have reframed that, I'd have actually been in a much men better mental mind state than I was at the time. And going back, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because that gave me that push to get out of that job. Gotcha. If we can reframe things and we can reframe stress, we can use it to our benefit. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think the same thing often with, uh, with uh, fear. So I think yeah. oftentimes fear, like you should actually go towards fear. So I think you can reframe fear for it to tell you what you actually should be doing. Yeah, when I say that, I don't mean fear like your life actually being endangered, right? I don't mean no. go, go run into a motorway. But if there's something that you want to do and you feel some fear or anxiety or trepidation about it, that's actually a sign that you should do that thing because it means it's outside of your comfort zone. And by going and pursuing that, firstly, it means that you, that you want it, right? If you're a single guy, you're not gonna feel nervous about talking to a girl who you're not attracted to. However, if it's a girl you're really attracted to, you're going to feel some, you're going to feel the nerves, you're going to feel the anxiety, yeah. you're going to feel the fear. And that actually means, yo, do it. Like, go, go do it, right? And what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. You're in the same position. Exactly. That's why I said, as long as it's not actually a life-threatening situation, it means, yeah, go and go and do it. And then once you've done it, you can put things within your comfort zone. Like all of us have learned new skills. There was a first time you stepped foot in the gym. You said it was scary. Yeah. There was a first time that I stepped foot in the gym. I was probably around 14 or 15, and that was scary. You know, it's a, it's a weird atmosphere if you're not used to it. The only way you can get that into your comfort zone is by doing it. You know, there's no way to shortcut 
experience. Sometimes you just have to do something. And oh, yeah. after you've done it, not even that many times, I'd say most things after you've done them four or five times, you become quite comfortable. You might not be a master, but once you've been to the gym four or five times, you're like, okay, I know, I know where stuff is. I know what to expect. You know, I so, somewhat know what I'm doing and it's like, okay, cool. That, that didn't take that long. That took a week. And now I can do this thing. And, and then each time you can keep on expanding. That's what I always try to do in my life. Like each year, I want to learn at least one new skill each year. And I yeah. figure, okay, if I, if I can Move keep forward. doing Yeah. If I can keep doing that by the time I'm, I don't know, 40 or whatever, cool. I'll have like this whole suite of skills. So I don't know, last year or two years ago, I told you already about learning French. And then I did the same with Spanish. And then I was like, all right, I want to learn how to shoot YouTube videos and learn how to edit them and all that. And okay, I taught myself that. Now I'm doing this podcast, looking at uh, doing more public speaking and each, you know, I just want to grow to the stage where it's like, okay, I'm like, I'm like a su Superman. I'm, I'm the best version of Zuby that we can, <laughs> that we can, that we can get here. And that's when I'll be able to maximize what I can offer to the world. And that's how I really, it's really how I view life. Yeah. And also something that hit me towards the end of December when everyone was saying become the best you mm. and you don't have to become anyone than the person you are now. Yeah. It's about revealing what is actually already there. Mm -hmm. And that actually gave me more power thinking of it that way than, and to people I was talking to, because people were anxious about having to be someone they're not actually revealing it, revealing it to the world mm -hmm. with public speaking. It's, it's so powerful. Another thing that came up there was stress and something that I've got, I've got a talk at uh, the forum in Norwich in a couple of weeks. And uh, I've got a little bit in my presentation, which is, something that Gary Vaynerchuk says, and it's talking about perspective. And we always have something which potentially we're not happy about or we're, we're moaning about. Now, for starters, if you're listening to this podcast, you've got an iPhone probably or an Android or you're on a MacBook or PC laptop or something. You've got access to the internet. Yep. You've probably got a roof over your head when you're watching it. Mm -hmm. And you're in clothes which are actually going to be keeping you warmish. And you're in, in a pretty decent place. Now, there are 7 billion people in this world. Yep. The start off is 400 million to one or 400 billion to one odds that you're going to be a human being. Yep. You could have been an ant. You could have been a wasp. You could have been a tree. You could have just been a germ thing, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you've already hit the jackpot. You've actually got more chance of winning the lottery than being a human being. Yep. Now, there's 7 billion human beings in this world. If we ranked them 1 to 7 billion, the seven billionth person has got a bit of a problem. The seven billionth person has got a bit of a problem, but chances are you're in that top one, 1 1.5 billion people, maybe higher. Mm -hmm. if you've got all these things, unfortunately, due to the world, uh, poverty in the world and everything like that. Now, perspective. And this is another thing out of the uh, Dr. Rangan Shatterjee's book, The um, the Stress Solution. And he's talking about there, about there's a guy that he interviewed in a program he worked on. A guy in India who's, um, what's the little carts they go around in? Uh, but they usually rent them out like a little taxi sort of thing. Oh, like uh, tuk-tuks. Yeah, those sorts of things. Yeah. He's renting it out and he's, he's a driver of one of those. And they'd done a study. I don't know how they'd done a study on his happiness. And his happiness was the same as about 80% of the United States of America, sure. their population of the USA. Sure. And they looked at his house and he just literally had like a tarpaulin over one side was completely open and said, mm -hmm. yeah, we get a little bit wet when it's monsoon season and it's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's fine. It dries out. And he was happy in what we would potentially say is a very uncomfortable 
place to be. Yeah, well, discomfort breeds strength and resilience. I'm not a scientist in this regard, but I think it's pretty clear that there is a strong correlation, and I would argue causation, between certainly comfort, wealth and comfort of a society, of a nation, and mental health problems, right? Mental mental health problems are quite a a modern Western phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you go somewhere where people are struggling to achieve the very basics of life and people are waking up every day struggling to survive like genuinely struggling to survive they might be they might be stressed they might be anxious in a way but those people don't suffer from what we know as depression or anxiety in the sort of scientific modern sense like it's yeah. extreme it's extremely rare if you go to like you just said india if you go to certain parts of asia certain parts of south america africa People aren't talking about these things. Everyone knows what their the drive is to go out there and survive and provide. And I think that we've now been so far removed from, I guess, our ancestral state, our, our natural, right? Like if we want food, what do we do? We we drive to a supermarket and every every food, every food that we can imagine from all over the world is just there. Yeah. Like Packaged not in, not in seasons, actually no. available year round. <laughs> no, it's just just packaged there in plastic. We we just pick it up, put it in a trolley, pay for it, get back in the car, drive back. Uh, of course, you're more you'll you'll be more active than the average person. I'll be more active than the average person. But most people, you you sit down, you look at a screen for six hours a day, you sit down for eight hours a day, and it's almost like when you're going to a gym. I was, I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. You're almost pretending to do the stuff that your ancestors would have just done naturally yep. in their day-to-day in their day-to-day survival right if you you're on a treadmill you're on a cardio machine you're like replicating you're like pretending to walk you're pretending to run if you're lifting weights yeah yeah you're, you're like pretending to climb a tree or pretending to lift an animal or pretending to do all this stuff and it's like you know it wasn't that long ago where people weren't pretending people were working on farms people were gathering people were hunting and you know there's still there's still places where people do all that but i think that the comfort of modern life as wonderful as it is and as grateful as i am to live in it it does come with a lot of its own potential dangers and downsides yeah. especially when it comes to people's health i don't even think that's i don't even think that's an opinion i think that's just a fact oh yeah uh, and when we look there's a show on netflix called the kindness diaries okay and it's a guy called leon logofetus and I met, I was lucky enough to meet him in Santa Monica a couple of years ago. I'd watched the series, only about 20 minutes long, but he goes around the world based on the kindness of others. He lives in LA and he's such a nice guy. Mm. You meet him and he's exactly what he's like when he's going through the show. He's got a 1970s motorbike and a sidecar that he calls Kindness One. Okay. Bright yellow thing. And even from when he sets off in LA, he has to have the kindness of others to put gas into his into his motorbike okay he has to have food from others he has to have shelter from others even the trip from new york to barcelona in the massive boat with all the the cargo ships those sorts of things was paid for by others the food on there was given to him from the kindness of others okay most of these people had nothing it seems but -hmm. they have kindness in there and he was looking for places where he could give back there was one guy who was actually scottish but living in, I think, Las Vegas, and he couldn't get back for his son's wedding because he didn't have the money for it. 
Okay. And he paid for him to go to his son's wedding, go to when he got to places like Thailand, to the Philippines and these sorts of places where unfortunately there was a lot more what we would class as poverty. Mm -hmm. But they actually love this community there and they're thriving off of actual having a community still. But there's times where he would actually pay for someone to build a house for someone because she was suffering from from AIDS. I believe her husband had died from AIDS and but she was still caring for the community. She was being so kind and he was just giving back. But when you actually look at that, and that was another one where there was a guy who has a tuk-tuk and he ended up buying uh, a tuk-tuk for him so he didn't have to rent it because about 80% of his wages was going on the rental. Mm. And we look at actually putting things into perspective. Even in the last 20 years, 30 years, uh, I'm, I'm 33 this year. I'm, I'm 32 at the moment. But even when I was, say, 10 years old, it's a completely different place in the sure. last, last 20, 22 years where there's so much more stress put on people. And we also seem to have this kind of looking down on millennials, it seems people doing, but the older generation raised them and Mm -hmm. then the generation raised them above. And it's always just been the generation above looking down on them and looking down on them. We need to build people up rather than knock them down. And too many people look to build the tallest skyscraper in the city by knocking others down Mm -hmm. rather than physically building the tallest skyscraper. And that had so much more stress. Yeah, it does. It does. I think that, you know, the challenges of the modern Western world, if we want to, if we want to call it that, it's a deep and interesting conversation that I find myself yeah. having more and more frequently at the moment. Again, with, with myself, because I've got an interesting perspective. So when I go to Nigeria and you, you go to certain parts of it and you see certain people and you see real poverty, right? So uh-huh not what people might consider poor in the UK or even in America, but, you know, you see real just lack of the the very basics, clean water, you know, good nutritious food. You just, you see there's, there's a lack of that. And it does, we were talking about reframing earlier from being young and seeing that it's always helped me to just keep my, maintain my gratitude and my perspective. So whenever I'm thinking of things and I'm making comparisons and whatever, I tend to compare things to other places in the world and also to history. So when you get someone who's saying, oh, the UK is, say you've got some people who think the UK is terrible and the system is broken and the economy is rubbish and whatever, I'm always like, compared to what? Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? It's like, what are you, are you comparing it to your perfect utopia that's in your brain, but doesn't actually exist? Or are you comparing it to how the UK was 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, and also the UK compared to the vast majority of the world, as you alluded to earlier when you were talking about the 7 billion people? If you reframe it like that and you gain some perspective, you learn really quickly like, oh gosh, like we're in an extremely fortunate and lucky position. That brings with it some of its own weird challenges and things like that. But if you look at the things people, the things people complain about, the things people consider problems in the grand scheme of things, with some exceptions, in the grand scheme of things, they're normally they're normally pretty pretty weak. <laughs> like when I when I yeah. catch my when I catch myself, I try not to complain just as a general thing. Yeah, or, I not, mean, we not, all we all do it. Like, yeah, never, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll do it and be like, oh my, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I call it zooming out, right? If I find myself yeah. complaining about something, oh, yeah, we all do it. It's a human thing. But then I kind of take a step back, zoom out, look at my life. I'm like. Ah, yeah, like I'll shut up now because my life is 
you know, <laughs> like yeah. would, would not would nine out of ten people in the world quite happily swap their lives with mine? Yeah, they would. So let me let me not complain too much about this train being late. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, or this this traffic on the road that's making me seven minutes late when it doesn't really matter if I'm seven minutes late. Your favorite food is out of stock in the shopping in the in the, yeah. in the grocery store. Oh, they don't they don't have those ninety pound trainers you wanted in your exact size. Oh, poor you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like <laughs> I have to wear one of the other ten pairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so when you look at what people complain about, sometimes I'm just like, look, get some, get some perspective, and the big you'll thing be, you'll be a lot more great. People complain about is the weather. Yeah, and when you look at it into perspective, of it's absolutely chucking it down outside or something like that, you're in a dry place. More, more than likely and some people don't have the opportunity to even shelter from the weather no some people actually love it when it rains yeah you see some some of the countries that are just in a desert or something and uh, some <laughs> some of the countries in africa or some in south america or some something like that that there's a lot of rainforest in south america so maybe not as much but in africa when you see on the tv when there's people that are just there's no water everywhere anywhere and they have no. to walk for miles every day to get water and they would love it if it was chucking it down with rain. Yeah, it's a blessing. More than likely. Yeah. And then they have a rain dance and they, they start celebrating it. And then we're here moaning because we've <laughs> got to get a little bit wet to walk five meters out to the car. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. It's, it is And funny. a lot of that puts stress on. And in fact, talking about building momentum, I wrote my first book. That was in September it got released. Mm. Then, I, okay, I've repurposed the book essentially to make it into a female version. But then I've now got the bug to write another book called The Stress Stomach. Okay. Uh, about the amount of stress we put on ourselves, it gets put in our stomach because of the stress, like so much cortisol built up and everything, and there's going to be a lot more into it than that, but it then stops people being able to easily relax and easily be able to let their body thrive yeah. and be healthy. And I feel there's a massive need for that. And But it, it's, again, stress. I think it's actually been diagnosed as, as bad as obesity to probably and stress is one of the causes of obesity as well yeah absolutely man that's why i don't believe in stress <laughs> i don't i'm gonna write a book then you, you believe I, I always tell people i don't do stress like other people can believe it. i don't i don't i don't do stress but we do um, need stress to move forward yeah, yeah i guess so. I, I guess it's not stress it's it's a drive so there, yeah. there is some sort of stress in a good way yeah just like cortisol we think is all bad but we need cortisol to actually wake up in the morning i i think of it as pressure like I don't yeah. mind pressure. I do pressure. I don't do stress. Like I, I might feel pressured at times, but I, I never. I'm, I'm someone who almost will never say that I'm stressed because I'm just like, no, I don't even. Zuby can't get stressed. I can, I can get under pressure. I can have something coming up. I can have something important, but I'm not stressed. I'm calm. I'm ready. I'm ready. Does it yeah. stress you out if you start getting a little bit stressed? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen. I don't believe in it. It's like a ghost. You stress yeah. about getting stressed about stress. <laughs> it's a ghost to me. All right, man. So well, last thing I want to say is, so for someone who's been listening to this, who is, um, say, a beginner, someone who's just started out with training or someone who wants to make a big change, someone who wants to get into fitness, get into the gym, get into eating right, what do you recommend to them? Find out why you want to do it. Mm. If you can really dive into why, and when you ask yourself why, I want to lose 10 pounds and, what do you mean and, and what's going to happen when you get to that weight off? And what's going to happen then? And what's going to happen then? Ask and or why five times to really find the root reason of why you want to lose this weight. And 
you get a much better reasoning than just wanting to lose weight. And write that up on the fridge. Write that up on the bathroom mirror. I've got the London Marathon coming up. And last time I tried to run two marathons in a month, I nearly split both my Achilles. And I've got the London Marathon coming up. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm doing up and down Snowden as many times as possible in 24 hours. And uh, when I break it down for the marathon, I'm looking to complete, not compete. I can walk around 18 minute, 18 and a half minute miles. Therefore, I only need to run 5, 10, 15 miles. I do not need to run the whole marathon. Mm. And when we look at a goal, break that down. If you've got a big weight loss goal, like mine was nearly 100 pounds, break it down one simple day at a time and start winning every day and gotcha. you'll build momentum. Awesome, man. That's perfect. So where can everybody find you, Ollie? What are your social media channels, website? I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter as OJAYPT. I still haven't changed that PT thing after that, but it's there. It's what people know. And revitalizationblueprint.com is the website. I'm on Facebook as well. It's revitalization spelled with a Z. But just drop me a message on Facebook. I think it's Ollie Jordan Matthews I'm under there as. I'm happy to chat, answer any questions. There we have it. Ollie Matthews, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for having me, man. Nice one, bro. Talk soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.